Thanks for tuning in to Men for the Win, a podcast hosted by David Kufis and Dan Thompson, two avid fans who appreciate well-played baseball, especially when it's done by the Twins. Men for the Win is sponsored by The Grand Group with Edina Realty. Are you looking to purchase a new home in the Twin Cities area? Or perhaps you're trying to sell your current home? Whether you're upsizing or downsizing, The Grand Group with Edina Realty will meet all of your housing needs. Contact The Grand Group by emailing thegrandgroup at edinarealty.com or call them by phone at 612-817-8751. The Grand Group with Edina Realty, three-time Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine Super Agent Award winners. On this episode, David and Dan recap the Twins' three-game series against the Los Angeles Angels. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. Thanks for tuning in to Men for the Win. My name is David Kufis. With me, as always, is Dan Thompson. The Twins managed to snap their five-game losing streak only to jump right back into another losing streak against the Angels. They steal one of three games. And the big news of the day, though, Dan, the Cleveland Guardians have officially clinched the AL Central. Hard to say they didn't deserve it. I mean, they they smacked the Twins back, and then they smacked the White Sox. The White Sox are actually under 500 now, too. So the Guardians are actually, they're 19 over. They're a legitimate playoff team now, Kufus. Well, it depends what you mean by legitimate. Will they make a run? No. I don't know. Did you see that the Mariners collapsed today? I think it was against Kansas City. They had a, an 11-run lead or an 11-2 lead or something like that, and they uh, they lost. Oof. Yeah. That's a rough so, and that's probably the matchup, right? Guardians-Mariners. So, I don't know. I guess anything can happen in a, in a three-game playoff series. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it is fun that the regular season does matter still for a few teams in the NL specifically. The Mets-Braves race is fascinating, certainly. Well, we're not even talking about the Twins here, David. Um, but I, I do want to say to? who would well, want to Dan so a couple funny things today so I watched a lot of the third game here of the series twins telecast really pushing the 2023 season picket ta- packages I don't know if you noticed this they've got Katie Storm like sitting in these different seats and talking about how great the view is Dick Bramer's talking about how there's not a bad seat in the house which I do have to a little bit disagree I think we I think you and I are on the same page about that yeah there's a few places that you definitely don't want to sit number one with a bullet is the treasure island seat number two i would say is the delta 360 club like the one that's above the home run wall the thing is though that's countered a little bit by the fact that it's all you can eat food and drink so it's kind of like you're not going to have very good views of the field however (laughs) you know you got other things to do well and every now and then maybe miguel sano will hit a home run up there you know like i mean you just just for those one in, I don't know, what, 10 balls or something hit up there? You know, it is sad, though, because I got the notice ahead of time, you know, that, hey, season ticket holders are going to get their chance to buy postseason strips ahead of time. You'll get more information about this when the time comes. It's weird, Dan, that that time never came for them to offer me <laughs> postseason tickets. <laughs> that email went silent. I will say this. Yeah. So... Out here, I don't get to watch Vikings games so easily. And so I listen to the end of the Vikings game, and I tell you, I want Corey Provis every day of the year. I can't stand listening to Paul Allen. He's talking about we, Vikings, we, this. He's yelling about everything. The the Osborne touchdown, I didn't even know it was a touchdown because Paul Allen just was, ah! So I just can't do that. I can't listen. Now what am I supposed to do? It's a rough go. I guess you could listen to the opposing team's broadcast, right? That's that would be I'm the g- other option. Perfect. Much. That's a great idea, David. I'm going to do that next weekend. Well, when I get up at 6.30 in the morning to watch them play in London. Anyway, David... This is not a Vikings podcast. It's a Twins podcast. No, the Vikings would be more exciting to talk about. But yeah, let's go ahead and jump into the series recap. Series recap. So, David, the Twins lose this game. What was the score in this one? 
forwarded to you. I'm glad you so diligently paid attention, Dan. <laughs> well, because I wanted to talk about this Otani rule rule change, because this is the first time that we've really, I think, had to pay attention to this. And and I didn't actually feel like I understood it. Do you understand what the Otani rule is? Well, I was I wasn't digging into it, Dan, because I was told that you were going to explain it to all me. All right. So this is this is an NBC Sports article that I found. A pitcher who is in the starting lineup as a hitter can remain in the game as the DH after being pulled from the mound. Right. So I think Otani batted third. So even after he leaves, he can be the DH. I don't know. I don't really like this rule, David. Do you? So how should it be handled then? So I think in that situation, if you've if you've basically said you don't want the DH in this game because you want your pitcher to bat, then the pitcher should continue to have to bat in that spot. It is interesting now that you have the universal DH. That would be one of the few times that you actually get to see a pitcher pitch now. Right. So I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm just bitter because, you know, the Angels came in and, and they won four to two against I mean, it is fun to guys watch an Angels team that actually has Mike Trout and Shohei Otani on it at the same time playing baseball. Yeah, this was definitely the last series of this season, Dan, that was worth watching for any reason. I mean the twins are clearly out of it, but there's still other things that you can enjoy. But truly, now we are at the season moment, Dan, where you have to watch these games as one-offs in order to enjoy them, because really, we all know that these games are pointless. But Louis Varlin looked pretty good here, and and I don't know that this is I don't know that we've got enough sample size to make a case for him to be in the in the starting rotation next year. But it is nice to see one of these young pitchers actually pitching pretty well. Yeah, I mean against this lineup, like you said, that had uh, Shohei and Trout in it. So Varlin goes five and two thirds, gives up seven hits, but only three earned runs, three strikeouts, and two home runs given up. So it's one of those things where yes, it wasn't the greatest outing, but it was a good bounce back outing from his Cleveland <laughs> stretch where he just got absolutely destroyed in those. First couple of innings so it was good to see him bounce back show a little bit of resiliency but yet like you said i don't know that he's gonna even get a chance to make a case because there's so many guys vying for those starting rotation spots next season yeah i think this is good experience for him but he's he's gonna be a triple eight um jake cave gets a couple of hits also emilio pagan pitched two innings and had three strikeouts and no hits and no walks i don't i mean has he ever done that this season it, it does seem like he's turning it on just at the right moment dan He's trying to get a, somebody will sign him for next season, I think. He's just building up hope for some other organization. So I I do, I was going back and watching the highlights of this game because I always like to make sure I have everything fresh in my mind for the podcast. And the Angels announcer, Dan, here's something. Otani hits a sharp single up the middle and it goes past the pitcher. But this is the quote from the the announcer. Watch your lips. That one had... (laughs) I can't, I can't even, okay, sorry. Watch your lips. That one had hair on it. The baseball? Like the baseball had hair on I it? I don't know. So that's, that is an interesting line. You know what though? Like announcers have so many silly throwaway lines that mean nothing. One of my least favorite things that announcers will do, it, since I'm complaining about them apparently, is they will say, like they'll put thoughts into the head of the player, you know, in the action. Oh, he must have been thinking that one was gone. We don't know. Or, oh, he must have wished he had that one back. You know what they could do that would be interesting if they actually had mics to the players so the players could tell them what they're thinking, Dan. During the game, right? Like like right there in the moment. Like Carlos Correa is diving for a baseball. He says, oh, shucks, I missed that one. Do you think that that's what he's <laughs> should've saying? Reacted, should have reacted sooner. <laughs> So anyway, I, that's a little, folks, that's a little unjust. Dan hates it when players are interviewed mid-game, and I, I do as well. But Dan's Dan's seething vitriol towards that practice has just been far and away above anything that I had to offer on the subject. Well, if there's ever a moment in the in the regular season to do it, though, isn't it this, like a Twins-Angels <laughs> series where it doesn't matter at all? There's nothing really on the line. Even Luis Arias isn't batting well enough probably to have a batting title anymore. Well, you do wonder, like, I know you're a big How I Met Your Mother fan. 
But Huge. when when Barney keeps paying Robin to say weird things on the air to see if she can get in trouble, <laughs> you do wonder if one of his buddies was like, "Hey, man, in that in that next game, if at any point you can work in the line, that one had hair on it. I'll buy your dinner." <laughs> Maybe that's what it was. Well, David, let's move to game two. The Twins win a game, eight to four over the Angels. Gary Sanchez has a big hit. Urshela has a three hits. Arise has a couple. Miranda. This looked like a team that could score some runs. It did for the first time in a while. I mean, they've looked really destitute after they got really demolished by Cleveland. But my goodness, Dan, think about the injuries that this team has and think about the offensive performance they put together against Detmers, who, granted, not an all-star caliber pitcher, but he's got a 3.88 ERA. It shows you just, if you just get a few hits with runners in scoring position, you look a whole lot better than if you don't. I mean, we'll look at game three here in just a minute. Also, Joe Ryan, not a good start. Four innings, three runs, three walks, four hits, five strikeouts. Do you think he's running out of steam? At this point in the season? You know, I don't know. But, you know, Rocco would probably tell you, Dan, that that's why he pulls guys so early so they don't run out of steam this late in the season. There was one thing, and I forget where this was. Maybe it was in Gleeman's mailbag, but somebody asking about a four-man rotation and whether a team like the Twins could actually do that since they're only giving guys four or five innings to start anyway. Well, you could do a four-man rotation if you have no bullpen arms and everybody's just piggybacked and everybody gets two starts. <laughs> right. Um, well, let's. can we go to game three? Yeah, I guess. I mean, this one, it, it was interesting that like we used all of our good bullpen arms. So it went, it went from Ryan to Jax to Thielbar to Fulmer to Lopez to Durant. So they like ran the gambit as far as, hey, this is our one chance to break this losing streak we're going to be dang sure we don't lose you know what's funny to me is that griffin jacks has seven wins and that is the fourth most on the team joe ryan has 12 dylan bundy has eight sunny gray has eight and then there's griffin jacks do you want to know how many how many chris archer has david seeing as he's only pitched about one game that he could get a decision for i can't imagine it's that many dan two yeah actually he must have done it twice so chris archer he's clearly two i hate chris archer <laughs> one more funny thing now that i'm looking at this list of wins you know who's fifth I'm not going to let you guess. Devin Smeltzer is fifth. Wow. He wins with five of them. Five and two remember, on the season. Remember when he we thought he was going to be good? for like <laughs> There was like a six-game stretch there where we were like, oh, good, Smeltzer's start is coming up. We oh, have a little bit my. of consistency in this lineup. All right, what do we know? Let's go to game three, David. This one, Dan, was somewhat interesting, I'll say, until the top of the ninth when the Angels scored five runs. They they won 10-3, but this game was more interesting up until that moment. I'd say the Twins at least seemed like they were within striking distance. They were, but they went two for 12 with runners in scoring position. Did this ever make it to the big TV at your house? Uh, yes. It w- well, <laughs> the only reason why, though, let me explain. So this was on the big TV because there was no F1 race and the Vikings game was over. And my wife and I are actually listening to an audiobook, and it works out really well to listen to the audiobook while watching the Twins, which I'm not sure which puts me to sleep more easily uh, as of late, Dan. Well, I tell you, watching the Twins game and listening to Dick Bramer, and I think it was Roy Smalley today, try to talk through this baseball game was pretty funny. Like, I mean, they're trying like. Dick Bramer is giving it his all to make this game meaningful, but there were a couple meaningful things that happened. First of all, Caleb Hamilton hits his first hit, which happens to be a home run. We're going to come back to that, though. I don't want to spoil that. But but Palacios and Celestino each have errors, which, of course, Kufus. It's, it's that meme from Harry Potter where McGonagall is looking at Harry and Hermione and, and Ron, and she's like, why is it always you three? <laughs> and like it's like anytime there's an error and it's Palacios and, and Celestino, you're like, why is it always you two? Palacios has six errors in what feels like five games uh, <laughs> this season out there. I, it's, it's pretty embarrassing. But Jake Cave, Jake Cave in the ninth inning. So the top of the ninth is a weird inning for the Twins because McGill comes in and just looks terrible after Henriquez has pitched almost five innings uh, of scoreless baseball. And Cave takes this line to try to catch a ball with the bases loaded. 
it's it's kind of in right center and he kind of pirouettes a little bit at the end to try to reach behind himself like it was just hilarious and i was thinking max kepler makes that catch Max Kepler would do some dance moves, Dan, that from his from his parents' teachings, I'm sure, on his way to catch a ball. This is why he is such a great right fielder, right? And why he apparently can't hit a baseball anywhere but where the fielders are. Anything else from Game 3 here before we move into the segments? I got nothing. I, I could have been done talking about this game before we started. Catch a ball, Kirby Puckett! Puckett's Picks winner. I love this time of the episode, Dan. I'll let you do the honors. Oh, do I have to? All right, so Puckett's Picks. You have Miranda. He has five points. I picked a rise with three. Correa, who played occasionally in this series, uh, had two <laughs> points for the listeners. And now, David, you have a two-game lead here with only three series to go. Love it. I absolutely love to see it. So I'm, at this point, I'm cheering for myself and the listeners. That's what I like to see, Dan. Sure, because you have 18, I have 16, and the listeners have 14. So the listeners are officially eliminated. I will, I think, pretty safely win the season points here, though. I've got 261, you have 217, you have 216. So I think the real race is between you and the listeners for season points scored. Maybe. I, again, they don't matter, Dan. It's all about the Ws, my friend. I think it's all about the points. So I'm going to I'm gonna maybe claim victory this season regardless. We'll put a little asterisk uh, next to my stats. You, can, you can't just do that. I hate I'm, when you say this. Like, you're like, oh, I'll just claim victory. No, you lost. <laughs> you lost. It doesn't matter. If there's a seven-game series for the World Series and it goes to seven games and one team outscores the other by 20 runs, but they lose four games, Dan, newsflash, the trophy doesn't go to the team that scored more runs. <laughs> but that that would be a little that would be a little bit of a letdown, wouldn't it be? Right, if that's how they did it. David, that's a pretty good argument actually. That might be your best argument against mine. It's not this isn't even a topic that's worth <laughs> arguing about, Dan, because everybody knows it. It's not even like I don't even understand what we're doing here. Fans want an ejection. There it goes. And that was Guardy's gripe. All right. Uh let's move on to Beast versus Bench. Beast <laughs> versus bench is losing fun is losing fun well dan i i had to struggle a little bit because i think your pick is probably the right one but i even wrote in the notes here that miranda would be my beast as long as he won buckets picks for me so that's what he did so i got to give it to miranda he did have a pretty good series right a couple hits in game yeah. three there a couple hits in game er, three hits in game two i am curious what happens next season with him and whether he gets more time at first base or whether they start working him more back into his natural position at third yeah i think a lot of that's just going to boil down to they need the correa domino to fall before they can make a lot of those decisions right I really think the elephant we're not talking about here is Miguel Sano, David. I mean, where is Miguel Sano going to play? You just called Miguel Sano an elephant. (laughs) You you didn't say the elephant in the room. I was trying Uh, to avoid the cliche, but I went with... We haven't talked about the elephant, Miguel Sano. (laughs) (laughs) Best shape of his life, Dan. Come on, best shape of his life. Can I go? I'm going to say Gio Urshela. Gio Urshela hit was... He was three for four in game two. Uh, In game three, he was two for four. And in game one, he had three walks. I mean, the guy was on base a ton. And I I looked, obviously, Josh Donaldson played third base occasionally for this team last season when he wasn't nursing some kind of a leg injury or hadn't gotten himself suspended or whatnot. Uh, But Gio Urshela (laughs) has pretty comparable stats to Josh Donaldson. The wins above replacement is like within, I think, 0.4 runs. I think that move has worked out really quite well for the Twins. Yeah, I mean, Sanchez has been a bit of a letdown. But to be honest, it was a bit of a flyer when they took him anyway. Right. And they get to shed Donaldson's contract. Well, that's the big thing, right? And it's it honestly to argue that the Twins didn't get the better end of that trade just by dumping the Donaldson money would be would be foolish. Who uh, who's on your bench? I want to give it to Palacios, but we didn't even really talk about Dylan Bundy, in my opinion, enough. 
because in this third game, Bundy goes three and a third innings, doesn't even get through four innings, gives up four earned runs, two walks, two strikeouts, and a home run given up. Here's the thing. I have been called a Dylan Bundy apologist, which I have refuted and fact-checked and debunked numerous times over. But my goodness, I can't get over this, Dan. The guy's pitching to potentially play somewhere next year, and he just cannot get it together. Palacios definitely belongs on the bench, but Bundy might not belong in baseball any longer. Wow. Well, surely he's a starting pitcher in this league, and I think there's always going to be room for a veteran starting pitcher until, I mean, don't you think? <laughs> How bad do they have to be before they're no longer? <laughs> like, that's, that's, AAA wouldn't exist if that was the case, Dan. <laughs> well, like, would you, okay, so who who has a better chance of having a contract next year? Is it, is it Bundy or Archer? I think Archer is a long relief guy somewhere. Sure. And that, yeah, I could see that. Well, I hope for the both of their sake that they can land somewhere. And, and maybe you're right. Maybe they will land in AAA and get a chance to, to earn their way back to the majors. Who do you have on your bench? I went with Walner. Man, he came back to earth. He was 0 for 8. I'm glad his family, well, I don't know where his family was. I know they went to the Kansas City Series in droves, but man, I hope they weren't here for this one. 0 for 8 with a walk and six strikeouts, Kufus. Again, it's his first time up. Miranda struggled as well, right? So I don't know that you can really read that much into him. The only reason why I didn't even consider him is because he's so new. He's still getting used to the waters here, Dan. It's kind of rough to be like, hey, come up and play at this high level. And also you need to be really good right off the bat. I know, but that was these are like Caleb Hamilton type numbers that he put up here in this three game series. <laughs> I, I guess if that's your baseline, I suppose. <laughs> All right, let's go forward to the rewind. Rocco's Rewind. You know, I appreciate Rocco giving these off days to these veterans in the games that don't matter. You know, Correa, you go out there as often as you want. Otherwise, go ahead and take a seat. Arise. Don't worry about the batting title. Just take your spot on the bench. There's no real reason for you to hurt yourself out there. So I love the Rocco approach of really just letting his players play when they want to play. I don't understand. Are you being facetious here, Kufus? Are no, you... no, I'm... I'm definitely serious Dan no sarcasm at all all right I think that you're being sarcastic they're running out of players right when, whenever Palacios and Hamilton are in the lineup together you know that the situation is pretty dire that's what I'm saying it's just good that these veterans can have these off days Dan but here's the thing but to defend them I mean Correa has played almost every game this season here I have I not just did I not just say that I appreciate him giving those off days all right I'm gonna move on you're hijacking this segment with sarcasm so I'm gonna move forward here to a real idea so Byron Buxton had surgery here so he's gonna be out I think it's at least a couple months or maybe six to eight weeks and I shouldn't say a couple and they admitted as far back as April he probably could have done the surgery so my question to you is this do you think that he should have just had the surgery earlier, missed a couple months, and then been healthier at the end of the season? It's really hard to look back because how many times did we talk about early in this year about how annoyed I was at the limited use of Buxton? And knowing that he was in a position that he probably needed surgery, it clouds that a little bit. To me, I guess, would you rather have an unhealthy Buxton at 80% for two out of every five games or or a healthy Buxton next season and no Buxton at all this season? I truly don't know the answer, Dan. I don't know what the better approach would be. I can understand why the Twins and Buxton both want him on the field because they don't want to look like, oh, this long-term contract, and here we go again. Right away, Buxton isn't ready to play because he's, he's injured. Yeah, I don't think that the Twins were bad this year down the stretch because they didn't have Byron Buxton. I mean, the guy played 92 games. He still led them in home runs with 28. He was he had 51 RBI, which actually ranked you know sixth on the team. I mean, the, my goodness, Jose Miranda, who only played 116 games because he was up and down between triple for a bit there leads the team with 64 rbi like buxton's absence was not the reason here that the twins didn't make the playoffs 
No, it wasn't. I, yeah, I, I just don't know what the correct answer is as far as what, what the Twins should have done earlier in the season. Hopefully the surgery goes well, he comes back, and then next year we're not having these conversations, though history would say we, we probably will. It'd be shocking if we didn't, Dan. Well, let's go to Minnesota Moment. Minnesota Moment. So this segment, uh, th- this is where we kind of talk about the quintessential moment of the series. The Sometimes they're great. Sometimes they are indicative of something we see in the Twins. Um, I- I'm going to go with Caleb Hamilton's home run late in Game 3 here. It was his first Major League hit. Also, obviously, then his first Major League home run. I don't know. Is This feels to me maybe quite like a where were you when moment here in baseball, do you think, David? You accusing me of sarcasm and then talking about Caleb Hamilton's first home run being a where, where were you when moment, Dan. But here's the, the best part to me was that Carlos Correa was the first person to meet him at the top of the steps, which again tells me that Carlos Correa wants to be here long, to, long term, David. I'm sure of it now. You know what it tells me, Dan? No. He was in the hole. <laughs> you know he might have been actually i guess in that situation wasn't he so maybe maybe that was why carlos ga- correa didn't move from the first step is how that should have been said he gave him a big hug there's a big smile on his face they let the audio play as he went through the dugout slapping hands everybody even billy hamilton got up and was happy for him he, what does that even mean even billy hamilton because got up. when was the last time billy hamilton played in a baseball game billy hamilton shows up at the ballpark he eats the free meal before right and then he goes back to his hotel or wherever he's staying and he takes his paycheck and he's just happy to still be pay- being played to pay baseball i don't know exactly how we got from caleb <laughs> hamilton to billy hamilton anyway i'm gonna go ahead i'm gonna give it to K- to uh to Gary Sanchez home run in game two, it made me forget for a moment how bad the season was and how these games don't matter. It seemed like the, the crowd was really into it, those who were actually there, and it was just like, oh, it was fun to see the Twins actually put some runs up. It made me remember, what was it, the first game of the season where Gary Sanchez almost hit a home run to tie the game, and that's kind of how the season was. Like, just, they just didn't have enough. Just not quite there, Dan. Well, let's keep going here. Mauer's Musings. I just don't know how it can get any better. Mauer's Musings. I'll start here because I think it connects to yours. So the Twins will have some money to spend this offseason, you would think. And maybe they try to spend that money on Carlos Correa. But here's my question. Would you rather have the catcher, Wilson Contreras, or Carlos Correa, if you could have one of them? I think Correa. I think that you rather have a guy who's, one, he's certainly going to play more games than Contreras would play throughout the course of a season. However, I don't want to diminish the need that the Twins have for adequate catching next season, but I still think that Correa's younger, he's at a more vital position, and he would play more innings. And plus, Dan, he builds championship cultures wherever he goes. Well, I do think because he has clearly shown him, like he's a known entity here, and I do think that that matters in terms of chemistry and clubhouse. I mean, everybody seems to like him. Um, I also wonder about this, and, and maybe this is an aside to this, but is there not some some merit to the argument that Correa would maybe be better suited being in a market that's kind of the Twin City size rather than going to a big market where they will never let him forget the trash banging? And I feel like in Minnesota, people will kind of, we've overlooked that uh, because we like what we see when he's on the baseball field. Yeah, I mean, I, I have a hard time thinking that anytime he boots a ball, if he was playing for the Yankees, that the trash cans don't make their way out. Yeah, I just think I think there are other fan bases out there that are much more cynical. And I, I mean, I realize there are a lot of other mid-level you know, baseball markets that would try to get him, and I get that, that too. But I just, I, I hope that he has enjoyed his time here and that he really does genuinely think that this is worth, I mean, the Twins could still offer him $40 million a year, right? I would think without 
without really even thinking about it, that would be a decent contract to sign him for. All right. What's yours? So I guess my question is, Dan, now that we know that the Guardians clinched, because, you know, we, we didn't see that writing on the wall about two weeks ago. But so right now, Dan, the Twins currently sit 12 back of the Cleveland Guardians and two games back of the Chicago White Sox. So they're in third place in the AL Central. So my question to you, Dan Thompson, do you care if the Twins finish second or third in the AL Central? Again, it's meaningless regardless, but does it matter to you? It does actually matter to me just a little bit because the White Sox were supposed to be this runaway favorite here to win this division, and they're not obviously going to. I think it would be great if the Twins could say, yeah, I, we're still better at least than the White Sox here at the end of the season. I suppose. I, mean, I guess it'd be nice from that perspective. And it is funny to like pull up some of the White Sox tweets about how they were just going to destroy the division. And now it's fun to like be like, well, no. And it would be even funnier if you could say you didn't even finish second, I suppose. And even more than that, I would like them to finish at or above 500. You know, they're, I mean, yeah. they already have 79 losses, so they're just a couple away now. But I would love for them to win seven of these last nine, I guess. And that would do, that's what they have to do, right? <laughs> win seven, eight or nine of them to, to do that. Well, and they're against meaningless teams. So, it, it, I mean, they have a chance, I suppose. Let's hope so. All right. It's time to grade the series. Series grades. I, I'm going to give them a D. I mean, at least it looked like they were trying for some of these games. <laughs> like the Kansas City series, nobody wanted to be there. It rained. It wasn't enjoyable. People were annoyed. You could tell that everyone's like, why are we even doing this? At least in this series, it seemed like they had a little bit more pep and they were like just more interested in actually trying. I think so, too. I, I gave him a D as well. I do wonder, you know, they're, they're talking about maybe like even Ryan Jeffers might come back. Even Trevor Larnack maybe would come back still for this season. Like, I, I wonder what the incentive is for those guys. But but is it just meaningful to just play again this season? I think we sometimes forget, like, these guys love to play baseball. They're getting paid to play baseball. All right. Shall we move forward to uh, Herbie's headline? I don't know, Jack. It looked like Herbeck pulled him off the bag. Herbie's headlines. So there are some interesting things to talk about here, Dan. So first of all, obviously the big news, if you're even a casual baseball fan, you likely heard that Albert Pujols had hit his 700th home run, which is just, it's an amazing feat that looking at the active list of players, Dan, I don't know who the next one is who's going to do it, but it's going to be years, years and years until we see someone else complete this, this monumental achievement. Right, because we look, so Miguel Cabrera is technically still active. He's at 506, but he's done after the season. Nelson Cruz, yeah. 459. I mean, you have to scan down this list. Uh, Giancarlo Stanton, uh, he's 32 years old. He's at 375. You'd think he'd have to have a resurgent. Mike Trout is 99th on the list with 346, but he's 30 now. So, yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know. It, you're right. It could, be, it could be 10 years before we see anybody at least come anywhere close to this. I think even longer because I think likely the guy to do it is either just starting in the league or hasn't even started yet. That's nuts. Now, you wanted to talk, though, about, about the baseball, right? So this is a big question because the fan who caught the ball was a Dodgers fan, and there were offers exchanged by the Cardinals to the fan for the ball. The fan, however, decided to keep the ball and is still in possession of it. Now, people are saying that it could be worth like $100,000. I have no idea. I don't know how they're coming up with that figure, right? Like something's going to be worth what it's going to be worth. But so my question is to you, Dan, what would you do in that situation if you caught Albert Pujol's 700th home run ball? Before I answer that, I actually want to ask you a question back. So is the act of catching it more important than having it or the other way around? I'd say the act of catching it is more important from a story to tell 
moment. However, you do have to wonder, Dan, if it can really be $100,000 in your pocket, that's a hard thing to walk away from because that's a life-changing amount of money. Yeah, so I guess that answers my question, or rather, you're kind of answering it on my behalf in some sense. I would I would sell it. I would say, hey, what do you want for it? Would Pujols just straight up buy it from him? Like, that feels kind of weird. It's a bit odd. I don't know if it's the Cardinals who would buy it, or, or like, I don't I don't understand Like, I would love to have the check, happen. right? Like, Albert Pujols, like, writing out a check to, like, pay to the order of that guy because then you could but least... wouldn't that guy i mean that's that's a lot of just a terrible feeling in your gut right as albert pujols the guy who hit this hit this home run writing you a check for the baseball i mean i mean the the thing to do like if you're a, a i don't want to say an ethical person but like wouldn't you just say albert here you go man like this means more to you than me and then like you want goodwill i, I don't know like if, if it were a cardinals it? if it were a cardinals fan then it'd be like great that's an easier negotiation like hey i think we talked about this like champion seats for the rest of my life right whenever yes. i want to go to the ballpark i get to sit where i want that Correct. feels more commensurate to me but when you're a dodgers fan like what do you do with that it's tricky man and i think the money component is is the issue right because we've seen guys hit their first major league home run balls this year and guys have just traded them you know for a signed bat or something well because clearly <laughs> you know any of these twins rookies who have hit home runs this season yeah they might go on to be great but i mean that's a long-term investment that has a very low percentage chance of tying out right i mean caleb hamilton hit his home run today well, what is happening with that bat do you that was that was a softball that was a softball i shouldn't have given <laughs> you, just you that Dan. It right up there for me um it's going to come down to money though isn't it i mean i feel like that fan's going to negotiate it becomes a commodity which is kind of too bad for the the nostalgic baseball fan in my heart well we'll have to see what happens to that and here's the thing he's going to probably hit i mean another home run or two and then yeah. i'd almost rather have the final one right if i'm going to hang on to one like that 700 ball is probably still going to be valuable but i mean the 701 702 703 yeah. we'll have to see so th the last quick follow-up to this here there's a good chance i mean almost certainly right the judge is going to hit 62 and so the question becomes dan which ball would you rather have assuming there's no finances attached to it okay just for you personally which one would you rather catch i guess well, I mean that's pretty easy I think I would I would rather have the Aaron Judge baseball right and then I would hand it to a Yankee fan a child right next to no, me No you would wearing you would hold it ransom so Aaron Judge could take you out to dinner <laughs> just so you could fawn over him at close range But I don't know what I would I be able to sustain conversation that long with Aaron like I would I don't I would be shell shocked right just sitting down with Aaron Judge for that long <laughs> I would I would bring you. You would come with me to that dinner, right? I wouldn't be I wouldn't be at a loss for words. I can tell you that, Tim. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's the other thing. I think Aaron Judge, I mean, he could win the triple crown with the most RBIs, the best batting average, and the most home runs in the American League. And that, that what a huge achievement that would be too for a guy who hits that many home runs but also hits for average. I mean, what a season he's had. Yeah, it should be noted. It seems unlikely now that Arise will will take the batting crown. Uh, in all of MLB, Freddie Freeman leads at 328, but then in the AL alone you got Judge and you have Bogarts who are, who's at 314 and 315 respectively. I guess we'll we'll have to wait and see. All right, well let's uh let's go into Puckett's picks. And we'll see you Puckett's picks. Well, that's the White Sox series, Dan. A very, very important series. Uh, obviously, matters greatly uh, to whether the Twins will finish second or third in the AL Central race. The listeners are going to take Correa 
And here's to hoping for their sake that Rocco feels the need to put Correa in the lineup. He cannot keep trotting Palacios out there. I think he knows what he's got with Palacios. I get to pick next? You do. I have to go with Jose Miranda. I just, I can't leave him there for you. I have to win all three of these here to have a chance. And I think Miranda's my best shot. It's just, it's so sad that I I truly don't know who to pick. I'm going to take a rise, assuming that they're going to give him a lot of at-bats. That's the only thing I can come up with. But it's really frustrating at this point in the season where it's not like I'm debating who I should take because who I think is going to perform well it's who's actually left right like it's it's picking in gym class after everybody else has already gone oh that's a sad thought there david it really is dan (laughs) but hey we only got a few episodes left on the season why don't you go ahead and send us out sounds good well folks if you like what you hear please tell a friend you can follow us on twitter at min for the win you can find our min for the win facebook page you can find us on youtube as well make sure you're subscribed to the podcast so you're notified when new episodes are available and if you could leave us a rating that would be great thanks for listening and as always go twins That'll wrap up another episode of Men for the Win, a podcast hosted by David Kufis and Dan Thompson, two avid fans who appreciate well-played baseball, especially when it's done by the Twins. Thanks so much for listening, and as always, go Twins!